everybody. Welcome to the Use Guys in That podcast. We got the whole gang here. We have a very special guest with us today. Uh, the Illusion is joining us from someplace on Spaceship Earth. Illusion, thank you very much for coming on to chat with us today. My pleasure. Stoked to be here. So I got to ask you about something, man. Um, you got a heck of a YouTube following. Uh, you, um, there's, there's a reason why a lot of people know who you are. Uh, but I want to know a little bit more about your background. Are you a California native? Um, how and how young? I know that you're really into surf and skate culture. Like, how young were you when you started getting into uh, surf and skate culture? Well, technically, I was born in Boston, so there's that. Okay. But um, I started I started surfing. I want to say twelve ish, ten, uh, twelve probably, and and skating just sort of evolved i didn't really i the skating thing i found escape my dad got me skateboard when i was a kid but then i found one and it used to just be a, a mode of transportation i lived way up in the mountains of the santa cruz santa cruz mountains and uh i didn't really use it as a skateboard i just used it so i didn't have to walk down hills and then uh it sort of evolved into the uh ultimate toy no, that's awesome. Did you ever get into like the punk scene at all when, you know, cause like skate culture kind of rides along with punk culture a little bit. Did you ever get into the punk scene at all? I, I, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a DIY guy. So I'm a punker by nature, but I, I, I don't, I'm not a, a uniform wear. I'm not a comply guy. I don't comply to the punk culture. Fair enough. I think that's You're a nonconformist. Nonconformist. Yeah. <laughs> Outstanding. Punk's, punk seems to be very conformist nowadays mm -hmm. doesn't it though that, that, that it yeah. blows, man. they became That's the like thing they swore to destroy an understatement of the century yeah definitely um i wanted so for those people in our audience that don't know the illusion was on tosh.0 um i want to know how did the fame from being on that show affect your life it, it, it's been nothing but a blessing i it, i mean it's it's been a really good experience. It's open. It's it's led me on a lot of interesting paths, and I've met a lot of cool people. There, there's been no downside to it. I would say, awesome. That is awesome. And I, you know, something I wouldn't have found you without that show either. As soon as as soon as I saw that show, I immediately followed you on Instagram because I'm, and then I friended you on Facebook when you still had one back in the day. <laughs> back in the day, yeah. So I, I was like, I was like, I have to keep tabs on this guy. This dude is awesome. <laughs> I, I really, that episode was fantastic. For those of you who haven't seen it, it's by far my favorite Tosh.0 uh, celebrity profile episode. I got to ask you something um, that's more on a, on, on, I mean, shoot, really tragic. You lost your uh, a home in, in a fire, in a wild fire. Sure. Uh, when did it happen? And more importantly, how did you keep your positive attitude? when so much tragedy happened because there's a lot of people and i include myself in that category i'm not sure if i'd ever be able to emotionally recover from losing everything well i so so our i gotta say our the second time my my home burned down was in the uh 2019 uh woolsey fire here was it 2019 already no 2018 woolsey fire yeah. but when i was uh a teenager, our family home burned down in the 1993 fire here in, in Malibu. So I'd kind of gone through that experience, but, but that was my parents' fire versus my fire. Like I was always bummed. My like 
Star Wars collection went up and toys, you know, surfboards burned, but I was in college by then. And, and so that was my parents. They like, they're still bummed about it. So 25 years later, it's my turn. And it's part of the environment here. If you live in the hills of, of Southern California, it's just, it, it comes with the, the environment. It's chaparral. So it's meant to burn. It'll always burn. It'll happen again and again. And so when it happened, for me, it was a lot easier to deal with because I'd been through it before. And I mean, I'm a, I guess from like one perspective, I'm a recovering alcoholic. So I'd already lost everything in my like adult life by my own makings. So this was sort of mother nature or con Edison with wind doing what that, what, what happens. So for me, I was very at, peace with it it was a it's become a blessing in a disguise but it, it, it was hard don't get me wrong but i think that uh i just sort of i'm sort of not a materialist so it, it wasn't i mean i'm bummed some of the stuff's gone but as my friend said who's how so like our whole community burned down it wasn't just me it was it was hundreds of me's and our and, and so other people dealt with it a lot harder than I did. And, and so for me, it was more like, I guess I was just felt lucky that I had the perspective I had on it versus now, oh, getting bombed. I mean, so, I was bombed, of course, but. Right. Yeah. No, naturally. So like the timeline of things, you said uh, you were recovering from alcoholism. Do you feel like in any way your fight with, you said it kind of helped or did they play off of each other? Or like, what did you do to cope with that as well? Like, do you feel like the well, fire as a teenager helped with that? Or was that part of it? Well, I, I, it's funny. Like, so I got a good lens of what it looked like in my parents' story. You know, they're still bummed about it. Like right. 25 years later, it still was a big traumatic experience to them. And for me, I, I guess, in you know, I'm like 11 years sober. So for me, it like it, it, it was again about just getting into my pro. I had a program. I, I knew what to do when when adversity hits me. I stay in the day. I stay in the present moment. I have a vast network of other people I can lean into and and look to them for guidance. And I also didn't. I just didn't want to hang on to like that story like my parents did for, you know, to this day. I was just like, okay, this has happened. I, I know what it looks like. Now this is my turn. I mean, for me as a parent, I think I had to just be way more ahead of the curve with it just because I had Al was three then and my teenager, she was 12. My, my wife's still pretty bummed about it, but, but she, you know, she's dealt with it. Like she's never gone back to look at the. Oh, she has never. Like I went and made peace with it. You know, you guys, if you saw some of the videos, like I, Al and I, we went and made peace with it. Like I, I gave a lot. I guess I flipped the script a lot and was. I went up there and, you know, thanks God for the experience I had up there. Like I was, I true, I gave it back. I guess my thing was I gave it back the whole thing and, and, and was grateful for the time I had with it and, and returned it all, you know, and all this stuff's temporary here anyhow. So. 
the, the, the children and the family and the cat made it, you know, so yeah. that's all yeah. that really matters. Right. All the important stuff. Yeah. Right. And that's the next thing I wanted to ask you about. That story was like about the cat was like really emotional. It's going to be in the show notes in case anybody wants to see the, uh, the news article that, you know, you didn't see your cat for a number of days. And when you were reunited with your cat, like it was, it's emotional to read it. And it's an, it's an emotional thing to see it. You know, was that like, you know, was that one of the, one of the best moments that you ever had thinking that you lost your friend and then out of nowhere, here comes your friend right back to you. Well, it, it was more than just, I mean, it was that too, but it was also like when the fire, so our house burned down, like the fire came and burned everyone's houses in Malibu down Friday. Our house burned down Sunday because there was like a, the wind shifted and it finally got to us. So the day of the fire, like the cat is a like indoor outdoor cat and he does, didn't, doesn't like to be in the house. So we brought him in when the fire first started but the wind was howling and and eventually the cat just was like i i want out it was like one of those things so i let the cat out and then when it became time to like for real to evacuate i couldn't get the cat he had disappeared and uh you know that was all on me and you know my daughter was bombed and you know my wife was bombed and so the cat was like the thing and so i'd even uh, because I had, because I'd been involved with city politics and stuff, I had some connections. So I got back into the fire zone Sunday, the day our house burns down with the police escort and stuff to like, I got into this caravan and just to go look for the cat, but I couldn't get up there because our house was burning down that day. So when the, so when it all happened, I had a friend who was behind, he was, leaving water for the cat and stuff. So when I finally got up there with my, my, my daughter, it was like, it was like a, a big, like sigh of relief slash miracle kind of thing. Cause I, I didn't, did, if you'd seen it, you wouldn't have thought he would have pulled it. It was it's pretty radical. No, that was, that, that was a great story to read. And it was great to see your guys's reaction. I mean, that was just like a raw emotional thing that was captured in time to see for those of us who are bystanders. I thought it was, uh, it was really phenomenal. Um, and in regards to, to your kids, what, how did becoming a father change you as a person? Like, did it change your perspective? Cause a lot of people, I'm a, I'm a dad too. My kid's 18. So like, it does change you in a lot of ways when people say that when you become a father, it does change. Well, yeah, sure. Because responsibility and stuff. So, you know, does naturally shift in one direction, but like, how did it impact you as a man becoming a dad? It, it truly committed me to the optimistic approach. Like I, I always kind of say I'm, I'm a pessimistic optimist. Like I, I'm not afraid to look at the dark side of reality and, but I'd been a pretty heavy environmental activist in my youth and pretty involved. And so I, I think I had a pretty kind of doom and gloom, like, ah, man, this is looking bad for us. And then I, when I saw, yes, Bert. You can do whatever you want. Yes, you can. Do your thing. It's your it's your Lego. Go crazy. Okay, you got it. Um, it 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 made me realize. I, it just connected me to to the real reality. Like the minute I had saw him being born, I saw the true 
strength of, of a woman. I saw the true beauty of it all. And then I, and it, it like activated my, I call it my caveman technology. Like suddenly I knew like, oh, this is my whole point. And I almost missed it. Like as I had Al when I was 45, like I almost missed it, man. Like I almost missed what the whole thing's about. And, and so for me, it's, it's made me realize just how I've come to this new conclusion that, that, that genetic material going through time is, is basically God's blockchain. And, and like, I almost ended the code, <laughs> you know what I mean? So it, it, it makes, it's a pretty inspiring thing for me. No, that's excellent. I, I, I can, that's a great explanation. Uh, I wanted to ask you, like, you know, you already told us how long you've been sober for, but you do a, a, a special vlog called Sober Wednesdays. Uh, I want to know what pushed you to embrace sobriety. Like, you know, what was there a point where you reached like, I can't do this anymore? You know, I hear a lot of stories about individuals like literally hitting rock bottom and this being their ticket back to the land of the living, so to speak. So I wanted to know what your experience was. Yeah, I mean, it. It, you know what they say, it was like, it worked for me for a long time, man. I, I went and did my own thing. And, and at some point it just became a prison and I found myself isolated alone on top of some mountain up here, guarding an empty swimming pool. And literally I used to call myself Hiroshima Nagasaki. Dude. I was like, if you ran into me in the streets back then, it would have been like, I'm Hiroshima Nagasaki. So you get the clue. Like I was angry and, and bitter at life. I was got sober at 40. I thought my life was over. Like just, I was, I'd missed it all. Like I really remember sitting up there thinking I'd missed it all. Like the whole show. And I couldn't get out of the, the spiral, you know, the downward spiral. And, and for me, it, 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 like I still held, had a job and did I like, like rock bottom is, is for me, it was like, like I just was done. I didn't ask to be happy. I didn't ask for, I just wanted to stop being drunk and miserable and high I just it wasn't working anymore like it sucked and and I knew better like but I didn't know how to know better you know what I mean like it's a it's a tricky thing and you know the sober Wednesday thing is really like an a weird thing is is as a sober guy like I'm an AA guy I'm super into it I'm not a cult member I'm not a joiner but I'm all about it like, like I got my life back at 40 years old and it's all on YouTube, but you can see like, it's been a journey. And, and I, 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 the best of my life's happened since then, not before. And I, you, if you would ask me the day before I got in sober, like, Oh, you're going to, all this is going to happen. I would have told you you're crazy. Like, you don't know what you're talking about. I did it all. I did everything that was rad already. And and I was that it's it's just a self fulfilling prophecy of misery, dude. So, no, I, I, I like like uh, Brian said, congratulations on your sobriety. I think that that's a, a hell of an achievement. So good for you, and it's awesome that you didn't get to miss out on all of those things that you now enjoy. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I mean it's 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 a it's a miracle, you know. And and 
I, I think there's a part of it. I was just willing to like it. I was willing to give it a try. Like I, I deal with people in recovery and try to help people. And there's just this wall people put in front of themselves. Like, and I'm at the least, like I said, I'm not a joiner. I'm not a like rule follower. I'm not, but I was like, all right, I'll give, I'll give this a try. And I'm lucky that it was, they didn't make me walk, learn to walk backwards and you know, anything like weird. Cause I was like, all right, I'll give this a shot. You know, I didn't have anything else better to do. No, I think it's phenomenal. And I, it's great that, you know, man, like, you know, it's if it could save people's lives and give their, and give people repurpose people for, you know, living and enjoying things. Cause you know, there are some people that can drink and let it go. And there are some people, you know, I have a family member who is a fully functioning alcoholic and um, this person's able to get on with it and that's fine. But some people are simply not uh, not capable to, you know, of doing that, like, you know, like say have addictive personalities or things like that, or are looking for a way out, let's say, and they don't know of, of a way out and it provides them one. It's saved a lot of people's lives. And I think that that's paramount to anything really, if it can say, if, if it saves somebody's life from ending up at the bottom of a bottle, I think that is phenomenal. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, just on that, like, I'm not anti-alcohol I'm not anti-drugs. Like, they served a purpose. They, I, look, I, I think on a certain point in my life, they kept me alive too. Like if I, if I really get real honest about it, like they kept me alive when I, when I was all out of like self-will and power, you know, they like, it was, it was like, oh, I'll just drink my way through it until, till this something happens here, you know? Sure. Sure. I think everything's a means to an end or a tool, but not to be solely relied upon. Yeah, I, like for me, I like that's the thing. I don't. I, when I first was getting sober, I, I I remember this old timer's like twenty five years sober, like getting all mad at some meeting about like how he's eating dinner and someone was drinking Jack Daniels neck at the table next to him, and I was like, dude, I I want to live like that, dude. Like I, I don't want. I want to be free of it. And so, like for me, I don't. It's not an issue with me. I don't care if people drink around me, do what they do around me. It's it doesn't affect me, and it's like I don't like milk either. So, yeah, you know? <laughs> right. Like, do you think it's a? Because I think a lot of people get hung up on the whole idea that it's like one substance, but I think it's honestly just like kind of an idea. It could be anything. Like some people let work dominate them in that way, or they let like sure. eating disorders and stuff like that. And it's like it just happens to be alcohol or drugs for some people, but it's the whole process behind it is just something that you need to learn to balance out. Well, I, I think that's kind of what this sober Wednesday thing became like, I, like I, it's not oriented. It, it is. Cause that's the experience I have with right. my spiritual thing, but it's not, it's, it's meant for anyone, whether you're addicted to Oreo, like the gnarliest thing I've ever dealt with was caffeine. And I'm still on caffeine. Like trying to get off caffeine was brutal. Cigarettes sugar. were easy. Sugar, sugar is is the most vile, vicious drug imaginable, and it's like second nature in our society. Like, yeah, yeah. whatever. Not even addressed. Like that, it's that stronger than cocaine. Absolutely no bullshit, man. <laughs> I feel oh, you on that the one. The sugar sure. thing, like, like yeah. I, I can chart that with my <laughs> depression for real. Like. Like it, it affects me so negatively. Like you have ways it, to manage that, that you've like found out over time. 
I mean, I, I'm a constant sugar relapser, but I, I know now, I, I think like, again, with sobriety or any of these things is like, I got enough clarity and was willing to, to get enough like physical space for my body to realize what it was without to be like, okay, I, I don't, I will, you'll never see me putting a Jolly Rancher in my mouth. Mm. Like, am I going to bake some organic chocolate chip cookies? Yeah, probably. But I know that they're questionable for me too. I, I've, I've definitely changed. I, I, you will never see me put like high fructose corn syrup in my body. Like no way. Right. Like calculated risk. Yeah. It, 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 you just be get an awareness about things that I wouldn't have had a long time ago. No, I think and, and again, is anything that's keeping me from my a spiritual solution is to be questioned. And it's a great time to at, to look at a lot of that stuff. We have a lot of time with uh, our own thoughts lately. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, you're absolutely. <laughs> it can right. be a lot of times. Yeah, for sure. Um, I know that you're uh, you were involved in the environmental movement, and I wanted to ask you about your involvement with saving old growth forests, which I think is a very noble thing that you did. I was wondering if you could explain to our audience what your involvement was with saving old growth forests. Well, I, 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 you know, I sort of grew up in a, in a nature loving household. My dad took me hiking and camping and all that kind of stuff. And so I was up living up in the, in Oregon, in Portland, in the, uh, in nineties when the salvage rider happened. And for people who don't know, like the Clinton administration put a rider on the Oklahoma bomb relief bill that said that they could retroactively clear cut protected old growth groves that have been protected by court actions for a two year period. So all these old forests, these ancient forests were that were legally protected were now open for this wholesale like slaughter for two year period, which there wasn't any time to debate it anymore. So I got, I got pretty involved with it and did the stuff, but in, in the midst of this, I couldn't figure out the conflict. Like uh, what, cause I, we would go do actions where you would watch the, the ships taking the, the lumber. Cause you're not legally allowed to send like a, a round log out of the country, but they would do this thing where they would cut like little slices off it. And these ships would leave overseas and and i was always be like why are we battling the loggers and the fishermen and these people in these small towns it, it was very similar today with the, we would I, I would have been an move the clock forward would have been an antifa guy then but we were nonviolent. we were advocates for nonviolence. that was our whole trip but the same garb was being worn that they're wearing now but we were in the forest and i was like these guys aren't helping either. Like the activists were just, we were low, the low hanging fruit battling, dude. Like we weren't going after the real stuff at the top. And so I ended up kind of pulling out of it all. Cause I used to call them revolution hoarders. You know, there was all these uh, young people, my generation that were all in charge of these 501 C threes and environmental groups. And I'd call them up and be like, Hey, I need to, get, and they'd be like, give us money or this and that. And I'd be like, so I had to figure out how to like access the forest service and all this stuff myself. And I used to be like, why am I 
having to reinvent the wheels constantly on this environmental movement. And, and I realized they were in it to make a paycheck. And I was, you know, I was working temp labor to finance my activism. And I, I learned that, that the real power was, was not that. Like if you wanted to stop it, you had to get involved with, with the local politics, which got me down to Portland City Hall. And I ended up teaming up with these old timers and we tried to change the city charter to protect Portland's watershed. And it gave me a lens into city hall as a young man where I was like, like my first big thing was I was at this thing and they were okaying this, uh, this thing to buy a bunch of long rifles. I wasn't a gun advocate then. And I was like, what's a long rifle? And they're like, those are like sniper rifles. I asked my buddy. And so I was at a meeting where the city of Portland authorized the expenditure of like a million bucks on guns. And I was like, and I did the numbers back home. And I was like, that's insane. We're like a pacifist city. And why are we buying all these guns? And it really like opened my eyes to like, it's all local. Like, yeah, you can get all crazy about the top, but you'll never fix it until you get local with it. So it moved me. I saw the scam of the environmental movement firsthand, and I saw the destruction and just how they were getting away with it. And I was just, it was not, I got busy. I, I formed my own group and we were registering young voters, like, <laughs> Like it was a whole, so I, I walked away from these environmental groups and was like, I'm just going to form my own group. And while I was registering people under the skateboarding party, because I was in Oregon, if you got 5,000 people to register under your party, you get it on the official voter registration card. And I wanted to get skateboarding party between socialist and Republican. That was my whole, like, if we get this, we're, we're taken off. And so I was registering all these kids and young people. And like, we were showing up with these these things and we were I, I would be the youngest person at 22 by like 20 years at some of these things it was just older people just making all these crazy decisions about our drinking water and I'd always be like why aren't the why aren't the school why aren't young people here so I was registering all these people and eventually the feds came to me and were like look dude we're gonna charge you on this like federal arson charge because you were in this lockdown and we know you didn't do it but we're gonna we're gonna jam you up and we're gonna come after all these kids you're registering and I I I cooped it and got scared and, you know I didn't know what I knew then so that's why like you kind of get me now I'm not I'll never back down to the to the man again like on that stuff because I saw it was all smoke and mirrors you know right on Proved you were on the right path yeah but like i didn't know what i was messing with you know what oh, i mean for like, sure yeah but it's like you're yeah it's like you know there's a bigger picture but you may not even know what it is but like they're showing force because you're getting somewhere it was an intense time at that time they were they were taking all the the local leaders and they were putting them under these old maritime laws from the 1800s for piracy and stuff and they were putting people in prison. And so when they came to me, they were like, look, we know we're, we're not, you're not going to get, but we're jamming you. You're going to be stuck in courts, but we're really going to start taking your whole roll call. And we're going to start coming after all these kids. You, I don't know. I guess they're kids now I'm 50, but the back then they were just my peers right. and we're going to jam all these up. And they were just like skateboarders and people I met at the bar. <laughs> you know what I mean? They were like, yeah, I'll, I'll play along. And I was like, wow, dude, I'm going to get all these people screwed, dude. So I, I backed down because I just didn't, I didn't, 
realize what thread I was pulling at the time. That's a that's a remarkable story. So you said at the time you're talking about how the city was buying firearms, right? And you weren't a, like a like a gun guy at the time. Um, are you a gun? Would you call yourself a gun guy now? And if so, when did you uh, when did you come around to that? Well, the irony is, I left that. Yeah, I, I'm a I'm a full advocate. And again, is is I I moved from there to Pennsylvania, and I was living up in the Pocono Mountains, and like. I got, I started, I got exposed to it and I was like, okay, I, I get what's going on. And there, you know, it's just a tool. I mean, again, is, is responsibility. I'm a big believer in personal responsibility and, and, and yeah, I, I don't, I, I don't know, man. I, I kind of come, I, I'm on it on principle, right? Like on a, on a, on a principled level about it but i definitely it's 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 now it, it's just this thing now it's it's gotten so crazy it's like i get back to the thing is like man as a, as a dude who's gotten a good lens into the government and the evil of it and the manipulation i'm like dude the only that's the that's the only thing that's keeping us mellow right now i mean look at what's going on up in canada dude and australia and these places absolutely so yeah i'm i'm a i'm a i'm a pro advocate for sure awesome now when you lived what was your experience with like because technically those people are appalachian people that are in the poconos because that's part of the appalachian chain i guess you could say like what was your experience like hanging out with them because they get a really crappy rap you know, well, actually, the, the Appalachians are a different range. The Poconos are sort of uh, eastern, eastern Pennsylvania. Oh, okay. and they're pretty... Got it. Yeah, you're right. My apologies. Well, how, how did you like hanging out with mountain people? Let's put it that way. I, I, I loved it. I again, as I thought it was great. I'm I'm a uh, I think one of the problems that we share as a society is people don't go and inhabit other parts of the country and so they get these mono ideas about how it looks and like i lived in pennsylvania and i didn't try to i'm just me always but i didn't try to insert myself and be like you got to do it my way i was like well, what are you guys up to <laughs> and yeah there's some like there was some backward stuff especially as an environmental guy i remember i was working for this dude who's like you know how we take care of weeds he was like an old timer I'm like, how? He's like, just go dump motor oil on him. And I'm like, dude, like what? Like you're insane. You know what I mean? But like underneath the thing is like, there was, there was something, something authentic going on out there that, that's on the living in the, on the Southern California is the fakest place I've ever been. Man. You know, like, so it, it was, it was a, you know, I went from Oregon to Montana to Pennsylvania. And, and in that thing, it's like you get to see these different swaths of of ways of living. Right. I, I think I think Pennsylvania really just made me more understanding of like the rural way. Awesome. I think that that's great. Uh, you uh, I remember a video that you had when you uh, had picked up that uh, AA book on the side of the highway. Yeah, you were like, oh, this is a great find. And then I'll never forget what you said. I wrote it to you in an email where you were like, you know, you know, don't waste your time, you know, get busy being free. 
And that really sticks that that really stuck with me. I think it's going to stick with me for, for probably for the rest of my life because that's a really great uh, a great phrase. But what, in your opinion, is the best way for people, in, in just in your opinion, to get to get busy being free? Like, is there a path, like you know, stuff that you know that like an introductory course, I guess you could say, and get in the business of getting free? I think that I. For me, is I wasted a lot of time of my life not looking in the mirror. You know, I I really didn't want to. I apologize. The gardeners, of course, just showed up now, but it's okay. Um, for me, I, I think that you have to be willing to accept your darkness and and your own thing, and be willing to come to peace with it, and understand what that may be. For it's different for everybody, but. You, I don't know how you can be if you're in fear or you're carrying secrets or you have these picadillos that you yourself haven't dealt with and you're afraid that you're going to get exposed at any given moment for whatever it may be. And if you want to be, you know, what do they say? There's nothing to fear but fear itself. So the first person you got to not be afraid of is you. I, I see everybody running around pointing fingers and I go, I'm the only common denominator in my life. Like it's only me. And if I don't, if I don't take and heal myself first, how can I expect to do anything for anyone else? Right. I'm like, they're doing their thing, dude. Like <laughs> they're deep into it. I don't want to break their stride. Man. All right. It's quite all right. No, I, I, we have a teeny backyard. They'll be out of here. Other the lawnmower is already bailing. So th that's sort of my thing is, is as a dude who spent a lot of time pointing a lot of fingers, like it's those guys, if only that corporation, if only, if only that group of people. And then the journey of, of recovery and sobriety is like, you make this inventory of your life. And then you realize that the only common denominator was me. I'm responsible how, for how I respond to everything. And most of my negative response is based upon fear. And I can't be free if I'm running around afraid of everything. Yeah, that's, you know? that, that's excellent. And, you know, that kind of uh, segues into the next question I had. So, like, you, you call it the super scam in, uh, in one of your videos. And, I, of course, I, I, I thought that was funny. And I think a lot, the majority of our audience will definitely uh, uh, take that uh, perspective, share that perspective with you. But like, what in your opinion, what's your opinion on this pandemic and what's the impact it's had on you personally? My, my take on it all is they've pitted us into these low hanging fruit arguments. Like I'm not a denier that people are getting sick and all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. But, but the minute you come out to say anything about it, you're all oh, you're denying. No, that's to me is the scam is this pitting people against each other and not looking at what's really going on. When you be as a person who's has a pipeline to like the infrastructure of the state, let's say I get all the emails from the city and, you know, I'm in there. I know who my health person is. I follow, I dig into all this stuff. And when you go dig into the numbers, the scam is not asking the questions. There is a lot of really hectic questions to be asked about how how this information is being portrayed and and that to me is the scam is we're we're not doing our own looking like the numbers are on the cdc website mm -hmm. so what the last time i really looked because I've, I've stopped i don't need to anymore 
last time I was looking was like, there was like 250 K was the big number. Well, there was 10,000 people or no, it's 5,000 people that were just related to like they accidental. It says like accidental. I, I don't know the exact name, but you look into that. That means it's anything like they fell off a ladder. They overdosed. That was, that was like a number right there. And then, then you look into the breakdown of, of, of all this stuff and you're like wait a minute we're not getting fed the truth here about like what is going on and 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 we were lied to from the from jump street and and part of the thing that i i the scam i see also was was the people that don't want to face that they're all in on it the orange man was in on it he signed that thing on Mm-hmm. March 13th, Friday the 13th, he shuts down the country. The, the largest vaccine distributor the world's ever known is the guy that was supposedly like, that came to office saying he was going to expose the fraud of the whole thing. It's all a scam from what I can tell. And the biggest scam I see is not taking personal responsibility for your health, right? Like, mm-hmm. I, it was well, my parents, we didn't expose OWL to my parents who are both immune compromised, they're older and all that. Like, I'm not like going to risk them on like what I'm looking at. Like we played it safe, but like when you get into this thing, it's like, I can, I can take care of my body. Like I have the ability, like one of the, the, my immune systems, the key to this whole thing. And like the one thing I can do to boost my immune system is not be afraid. Right. Like pray, meditate, you can take all the things we can't mention on here because we don't want to get like flagged like another scam. It's like, you know, and then one of the other scams is getting people to argue amongst themselves. I, I will not argue with a civilian out in the world that I don't know when I can go directly to city hall and hold my elected officials accountable. Like in my town, I got the mask mandate stopped for like two months because I was the only dude who stayed up and, and participated in the process and, and came out and was like, nah, dude, like this is overreach. And, and the scam to me is not teaching people to be healthy. If high fructose corn syrup is legal in the United States of America, then you're lying to me about health and safety. Like that is approved by the FDA and or the who yeah Food and Drug Administration the, food the most toxic stuff ever dude like so I'm about food is my thread I pull on a lot. The same thing can be said for what's going on with the uh, inner city trouble right now. It's all food related. It's all nutritional deserts are causing all these problems. You look at the rate of obesity and and who's dying. It's it they're all overweight. They all have diabetes and high, you know, all these things that are related to poor diets. So if we don't, if we don't want to take care of our diets, then don't tell me it's not a scam. Cause if they came at me and said, Hey, look, we got a big health issue. We're all going to have to take care of ourselves. Everyone needs to plant a victory garden in the yard and grow some vegetables. And we got a real problem. I'm like, Oh yeah, dude, totally. Yeah. What do we, yeah, I'll put the thing on my face and like, I'll, I'll play along. We're talking real solutions here, but we never did that, did we? No. That's the scam to me. Nobody could go to the store and buy seeds. They'd close down yeah. whole aisles. That's right. Like the one thing that I always, that kind of always stuck out to me is like the narrative was always changing and it always made me feel confused. And when somebody is trying to make you feel confused and they're kind of talking in circles, it just means that they don't, 
they're not telling you the truth and they don't have their shit together. So why am I going to listen to either one of those? So I so just that constant moving goalpost. Yeah. There's no sure footing. For sure. Yeah. So, I mean, I get what you're saying about the whole scam because it's just the way that it's set up for you to never have the appropriate information and how it's always changing that in itself is, you know, what scam artists do in general, you know, to scam you out of your money for like, you know, oh, you clicked on this link and oh, you need to give me all of this money or, you know, you're not going to have access to your computer, you know, those types of deal scams, or they call Mm -hmm. you on the phone, like, they purposely like, play to your emotions to get you all riled up and and confused. But they're also the only ones that can provide a solution. So it's like Munchausen syndrome. Yeah, it's true. That's true. It's a Galian dialect. It's problem, solution, reaction. You know, I'll create the problem and then I'll tell you about it, but I'll tell you I'm also the only one who can who can do this, who can have the solution to you. Have you guys seen this? Yeah, I never know what kind of like like you know, I I caution into it because I I'm not into conflict. I'm not trying to prove anything to anyone. Like everyone's an adult here. Like you don't want to be an adult and look into your thing. Like do your thing. I pray for you. I I think for me, like I had a big revelation about it like sometime around December. When I was like, you know what, like for you to deny knowledge in 2020, 2021, it's a really brave and bold move. Like I was like, you're, you know, I go there, you have to really not look now. Like I've run into people and been like, I can give you the, I can show you the information. I don't want to see it, dude. Like I'm like, wow. Okay. Like, could I be, should I, do I need to be mad? Do I need to wake them up? No, it's just, you go do what you got to do. Like, mm-hmm. like on the thing. I don't know if you've seen this. This is an interesting little thing that, that, that came my way. It's the, uh, it's the list of, of how the, uh, the communist coercive methods for, uh, I should have wore my glasses when you guys were talking glasses for, uh, <laughs> A listening normal it's basically the 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 torture techniques they used by the north koreans used during the korean war and how they get to their prisoners to be compliance and you can pretty much like list this chart to the everything that's going on now with like the abstract and the weird thing and again if you don't if you're not if you're not secure in who you are principled like you'll fall for anything right yeah so. absolutely um, I wanted, I want to ask you though, uh, uh, just on the spot, I hope, you know, I hope it's not, uh, too, too difficult anyway. I always ask people what their favorite, like their favorite authors are. you like, do you have a top three favorite authors or favorite books that you recommend to people or that had a big impact on your life at any point in time? Well, you know, as a, as an avid reader, I would say right off the top of my head, Hampton sides, I'm a big fan of. Candace Millard, they're pretty modern, but I like my one of my real favorite books of recent times is Blood and Thunder by Hampton Sides about Kit Carson. Like I, I, but you know Edward Abbey's you know, Monkey Wrench Gang was hugely influential. I mean, I read all the all the different Aldous Huxley books, Ape and Essence, and all that stuff. So I, wherever you can find it, I think it's just reading is is. So I think that's one of the reasons it's all falling apart is people don't read anymore, you know? Agreed. Have you read Doors to Perception? Yes. That's uh, Oh, yeah. I, 
I don't know if uh, I can't remember where he said it, but even Scott Horton touches on it in a fool's errand, which I've just been going through recently, but something you said about the self-ownership and starting locally, like grassroots kind of stuff, it's all related, but there was a point where he said the means, uh, the means put in place, bring about the quality of the ends produced. So it's like intentions going in, like yeah it's like any function it's like the purity of what you're putting in is going to ter- determine the overall uh quality of the product coming out but it's like i feel like a lot of government doesn't seem to care or a lot of people in general don't seem to care they're like it's the same as people that are like oh i can eat like garbage but do enough cardio i can offset this bad diet but it's like if uh. i just put the right stuff into my body in the first place i probably wouldn't have to work as hard and i'd meet my goals sooner but you can do that with like every aspect of your life yeah, well, well it's, uh, you know, you are what you eat, you are what you read. Like, we live in a house, there's no, you come over here, there's no televisions in our house. Like, like, like this is as close as we get, and this thing's even crazy. But you like, have it in but, a separate room from, like, everything else? Like, it's not, like, no. shared by anything else? No, I, I, like, I, like, we know there's no televisions hanging on our walls. There's no, we don't, we don't do that. And, and, and my mainly, it's because I live in the capital of, what it is and i know who these people are they're evil like so again it's like everybody wants to like point the fingers but i'm the one who went to to the to the chinese military base and bought detergent today called target you know like who's to who's to blame for what's going on here it's me the consumer right like i will not give money so evil people can have beach houses in malibu anymore like i'm not doing it like I, I I won't. And, and yeah, my wife gets a little annoyed at me about it, but she knows too, cause her dad was a movie producer. She knows exactly what's going on. And so I think it's that, that thing is right. We live in that of the people, by the people, for the people. And I think every, most people have forgotten the first two parts of that of the people and by the people for, we're just all for the people for me, for me, for me. And not I've being like, mind. wait a minute. Well, there's two other parts to the, to our, our form of governments. And, and that's my main thing I try to like hype or one of my deals here is you are the president, like be the act as the president of your own reality. That, that's the form of government we have. It's the documents that say you are the government. I, these people are hijacking our perception by being like with their fancy suits and yeah, I'm an expert and I'm a, the authority. No, you're not. I'm the expert of my reality and I'm the authority of my reality. And, Take them and out so, of those positions. What are they like? How how would you trust them on in your everyday encounters if you just bumped into them on the street and listened to any of the stuff that they had to say? Right. Point. It depends on how far up the food chain you move. If I I, I can go talk to my local elected officials. I, I have their all their numbers. I talk to them all the time. But the, I think the further you get up for it, the more you have to compromise yourself because it's not about being doing the will of the people it's not to serve it's it's it becomes this lobby money based power grabbing keys to the castle thing and and i think part of our problem is again is no civic responsibility is i'm just like i'm a like a surfer skater non-conforming he's like i but i show up at city hall and be like okay i have things i want my society to build they're called skate parks dude so i but in that peripherally i get involved in all sorts of other things because i'm like yeah that's not cool or i like that or and then you get to know people and and you're part of your you get to be a stakeholder in the in the the game 
have you ever read anything about like stoicism or anything by marcus aurelius no but I, i'm familiar i was gonna say i feel like you'd really like just the stuff that you're talking about i feel like that would be something that would be right up your alley and i wondered if you... I'll, I'll dig into some marcus aurelius for yeah, sure literally right here meditations i'm digging through it it's one okay. of the coolest things i've ever read but it's all basically kind of what you're saying in a book it, well it's it's that thing right like i, I want to i from from my perspective is is to, to try to listen to the like like i'm like if you ask me what i am you i i get labeled a right winger but i'm like as liberal as they come but i'm super conservative in my house right i like i have like you know what i mean like i'm I'm a libertarian by they want to pin you down somewhere do what makes sense for you and what feels right yeah but I'm also like quite aware of that that I have fallen victim I like I remember seeing a t-shirt when I first got sober it was said revolution's not in a bottle and I was like oh I see I had been that guy who thought that I was rebelling against the system by being like a, a stoner and, and, a, and a drunk and a partier and like yeah those guys man and I didn't realize that I would had built my own prison and did exactly what they I was the status quo you know what I mean and so now I try to I try to listen to those that I disagree with the most because if I don't know what they're talking about I don't know what's coming my way like I I think one of the things is like I guess by nature, I am conservative on a level, but I'm not, but I am, is, is people tend to be in these echo chambers of like, they're, I go, I don't want to listen. I know what my people think or people, I, I got to listen to what these, this, like one of my favorite people to listen to is, is Jimmy Dore, right? Mm-hmm. He's just lefty progress, but that dude and I are pretty similar. Like I, I'm right there with them. Like, like I'm almost it's very interesting. Like the, everybody wants to be mono and I, I'm going, no, we're like, a, we're like a whole swirl of, of ideas, depending on where we are in any given moment. Sure. You know? That all being said, what is your, what are you thinking about uh, like limiting freedom of speech and like big tech censorship and stuff like, cause nobody wants to, it seems like no one wants to hear anything from a dissenting point of view. And that's honestly what we need to hear the most right now. Like you said. I, I, I'm a, I'm a huge advocate for, for free speech. I mean, the interesting thing is like, I, I, I block people on my stream all the time, but I, it's, those are trolls, right? That's their objective. But I, I, I believe in the, in the open commons, like no one's speech should be defend, be shut down at all. All speech should be defended. And you can't like, again, it's, it's, it's the, we are all like it, the fact that the everyone didn't come out and defend like Alex Jones, dude, when he got deplatformed was like suicidal for free speech. Yeah. He's a lunatic and this and that and blah, 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 blah. But like that dude in the sixties would have been like, like a Martin Luther King getting D like, you can't speak here. Like, you know, you can't speak at the church. And and, and, so I, I'm not afraid of ideas. I disagree with. I I do not. I'm open. I prefer to be able to walk away is my thing so i'm a huge free speech guy and and i think we're in i think we're in real trouble on that front because the minute you minute you kowtow people they are 
they are, they, well, what's next? I mean, we historically, we see this over and over and over again is, is that's, that's what they do. Right. And but, teach us our whole lives. It can't happen here. That's what's so bad about all those other places, but that's what's so great about here. And it's like, ah, it's ha- well, it's, it's happening. One of the big things that I, I like to read about is, is not world war two and the Nazis it's Germany in the thirties. Like you really dig into Germany in the thirties and you see how it happened I, we're, we're, we're just like right on the playbook, man. It's, 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 it's horrifying. And yet on a level, like, I'm not going to, I'm not going to buy into their fear cult either. I'm not, there's no, we can't beat them on in like, we just got to bypass them like on a certain level and be like, all right, you guys want that? Like have that. They, my take on it is this is they've, I was watching something about like uh, Warsaw and they were talking about, they were rounding up all the Jews in the ghetto. And, and the, this lady was talking about how they tried to steal God. No, they tried to kill God. They had tried to kill God, tried to kill God. And God keeps coming up all Pol Pot, Stalin, all these guys, everyone's trying to kill God, right? Well, they realize they can't kill God, right? So they're trying to trick us into giving them God, whatever that is for you, whatever even non whatever they're trying to convince you to give them that which isn't theirs they've tried to steal it throughout history your will and and so instead of us and what i've realized for me personally was the quickest way that i can give them that is to try to fight with them in their lower dimensional realm like they aren't valid anymore and i think people are beginning to see that it's like take your little pieces of paper and your, your funny little outfits and play amongst yourselves. Mm -hmm. I got, I got children to raise vegetables to grow. Like, yeah, you want to really come to my door? Like it's not going that way. I'm not getting on the bus. I'm not getting in the train car. I'm not ever going to back down. I will go to the bitter end about it, but do I need to live like that on my daily basis? That's what they want. They want me to live like that. Like, ah, and I, and I won't do it. I had a posture back at them. Yeah. I, I'm just like, dude, I'm not giving them any energy anymore. No, like, no, not at all. And no, you know I what? I agree with you a hundred percent. I do as well. And you know, it kind of, what you said kind of reminds me of Albert Camus where he says that, you know, I mean, I'm paraphrasing, but we all, most of us know the quote that, you know, you become so completely free that your very existence is an act of rebellion. And that's always been a goal of mine is just yes. being, you know, and then we had a, a friend of ours from uh, Oregon come on to the show uh, a couple of times. And, you know, he brought up the point that now when, like, when I went to go visit my family for Easter and uh, have, you know, ham and see my mom and dad and stuff and hang out over there and, you know, bring my wife and kid over there and hang out. That was an act of insurrection. That was it because I'm not supposed to do that. That is literally, we literally went to Easter dinner and that was an act of open insurrection and rebellion. And I guess that, you know what, we got to take these small acts of rebellion. And, you know, I, I yes, to, quote, to quote uh, Rage Against oh. the Machine, who does not agree with anything that I really believe in, is, you know, fuck you, I won't do what you tell me. That's, I'm just- that, that, isn't that the irony of it is, is now it's Rage for the Machine, right? right. Like, yeah. what? Right. Yeah, well, that's I, like- I, I always call them Rage Against the Machine dot 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 that i'm clearly a part of <laughs> trust me that trust me i know where that dude's house in malibu is on the beach oh. you know what i mean like 
it, again, it's, it's look at the look at the BLM thing. I know the, the my buddy's the one who sold her that house in Topanga for one point four million dollars. Wow. He's as white guy as you could possibly be, dude. And she went and handed him what three percent of that mm-hmm. right there. So there, these people are all like hustlers. Yeah, yeah, that's a hundred percent true. Um, I'm trying to think. Uh, do you have anything else that you want to ask uh, Brian before we wrap it up here? I'm not done. I mean, I got there's a couple of things, but I, I, you haven't been on in a bit, so I wanted to All give right. you a little bit more. No, I just uh, you mentioned earlier about meditation, and I feel like for like we've said with everybody or everything else, it's probably a different process for everybody. But for maybe someone that's like having issue finding their way of doing it like what are things that you feel have helped uh you find like center or stay present i i cannot sit and and be do the thing right and do the breath work right. and sit. i where i found it for me was was art and so for me i do my big art where i just make circles and and draw circles for hours and and if i can i tune out that way uh, for me, it's, it's, it's very hard. It, it's a lot of chitter chatter, but I, I think that we, we do find our things. I think that the tough part about it is that word comes with a certain mental image. And, and I found that like, if I can get into my art, I sort Legos like from the thrift store to like refurbish sets. Like I found that to be like the, my meditation for the last year has been sorting out Legos I find that interesting. And it's weird because I'm not, I mean, you can see like what's behind me kind of, I'm not really a very organized person. And I've always been like, ah, like that's so much work, but it's like in ways I'm starting just because of the stuff I want to do, I'm planning stuff out and organizing. And it's like, I feel like I get lost in it kind of. And then that almost feels like the same state. And I'm trying to like, it's when you consciously try to think of all the times you get lost in stuff. It's like when somebody asks you, like, what are your three favorite movies right now? And it's like, oh, I've never seen a movie in my entire life. I couldn't tell you. Like, (laughs) it all flees. But it's like, really, I've been trying to focus on that lately. And it's like, there's been stuff that does that. So I'm trying to find, like, what it is for other people. Just just in case I run out of ideas, I can maybe try something else and see if it works or not, you know? Well, it, I, I, the thing that I helped me the most was that Eckhart Tolle, like the space between the words thing, like trying to find this, the, this, the gap and the silence between the words and, and looking for the space. Like, I don't, like, it's that weird thing, right? That's like when the, uh, like the first amendment thing, right? Like, how do you know when you, when you see, por- you'll know when you see pornography, you'll know what it is. You can't describe it. Like, but you'll know when you see it, it's almost like, I know when it's there. Cause my mind will like, it just won't be doing anything. Like when I'm actually like that, the meditating thing almost is a struggle for me. Cause I have to go and try to do it. And it's like, I don't have that patience. You know, it's, it's funny that I even talk about, it. I'm like, ah, oh, gosh, man, that guy's me resisting it. That's me in total resistance to like something that's probably beneficial. <laughs> yeah. It's like the whole fight against the wall put up against acceptance of something. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's the constantly me getting in my own way thing. Yeah. So now that you've mentioned it, I'm like, uh, and they made me say what, like, oh yeah, it's, it's, the it's like a paradox. way works, right. <laughs> Focus on your breath and, and let the, the thoughts pass by you. I mean, I work with a lot of people and I always say it's like your thoughts are like watching an interstate. Just don't get in the cars. 
you know? (laughs) (laughs) But it's like to somebody, it's funny because it's like somebody could be doing this their entire life, but they've just been thinking about it the wrong way. So Mm -hmm. it never looks like what they thought it was supposed to look like. So it's like they, again, getting in their own way. And that's like, uh, I'm trying to remember. There was a time I like somebody told me once they're like, you should fit, try to finish every shower, like as cold as you can, just to see like, if you oh, the Wim, Wim Hof, huh? And it's like, I try, I bet like the last like two weeks I've been like, all right, if I had to like rinse off, I'm like, I'm turning the shower as cold as I can. And I'm standing in here as long as I can. And then it's like the shock to your body. But it's like, if you just focus on breathing hard enough, it's almost like you don't even feel the temperature of the water. And that's probably been like the closest I've been to being able to do that. But it's like, I don't want to just waste water all the time when I feel like I need clarity. Totally. But Well, uh, I, on, on that note, you know, it's funny that, that you mentioned that. I go where I found a lot of the new space is like mountain biking up the hill. Like when I'm like really grinding down and I'm listening to the, the noise and then I just go into like, all right, just like focus on getting your body to do what you know it can do. It It's almost the same thing in that space of like, just getting out of my mind and getting back to the, like my body and, and letting my body just be what it is. Do you ever feel like it's usually the things that you've been avoiding or the things that you, it's like everybody hates leg day, but it's like when they do leg day, it's like, oh, okay, this is like rewarding or something. Or oh, yeah. uh, like- Oh, there was something else I had like ready to go, but I can't think of it. But yeah, it's like we're running in general or like running hills. And it's like, it's like, oh, I know this is going to suck. But then it's like, eventually, like you tell yourself to do it and you find a way to do it. And then you hit that space somewhere. And it's like, huh, that's interesting. Well, it's, it's to me, it's the mountain bikings that not, I call it the medieval torture device. I get it out of the car at the trailhead. And I'm like, I don't want to do this. And at the same time, <laughs> I'm like, I can't wait to do this. I know it's, this is going to pay off just do it. it it's this it's i hate it but I, obstacle i know bad. that i love it it's yeah. it's so weird because that's like i had i had a moment a little over a month ago where i was like i'm just gonna take a clarity break from everything i did like a full sober month not that i was doing anything crazy to begin with but it was like weird because it was like at every corner it was like whether it was my friends they're like hey let's have a drink and i'm like no like i told you i was doing this and it's like they'd be like oh okay or some people would really try to get you to do it and you're like well why and it's like but at the same time i'm like huh like i always thought it would be way more difficult but it's like i just have to be like no i can go without it and then it's like i started thinking about other stuff i'm like all right yeah like maybe i want to eat garbage right now but i'm like i don't need to do that i could like it'll take me 10 minutes and I can go make something for myself. That'll be a lot better, mm. but it's like, I just have to go put in the work to do it. And normally I don't want to do that, but it's like, when's the last time you really did something for yourself that like, and a lot of time doing something for yourself isn't always pleasant. It's like you put in work for all these other people. You work for another company. It's like, you don't have to start your own business, but it's like, you give your time away so willingly to all of these other things. It's like, when have you stopped and just done something for you? And then it's funny because like when you start doing that, there's people that immediately are like, you're being selfish because it's like, you're not giving them something. And it's like, it's wild because the second I did that, it was like, it started popping up like all over. I'm like, whoa, like, why are we having all these problems? I'm just trying to make things better. And then it was just like, all right, I've got to let it go. And they, they'd get super upset, but it's like, since then, and I'm not mad. I don't have any there's no hate in my heart or anything to any of these people, but it's like, I'm the one with the problem. And it's like very interesting how that all lined up. And it's like, I wonder, uh, 
I don't want to assume ever, but it's like if you've had anything like that happen along your journey and what you've kind of done to deal with that, because it's not because some of these people, it's like they're very close and it's like you've depended on them for other things for a while. And it's like all of a sudden it's just like 180 degrees. And it's like, I don't even know. I don't I have to get my footing. You know what I mean? Well, have you ever read the book called The Four Agreements? No, but I've heard of it. So one of the four agreements is your opinion of me is none of my business. And that's what set me free. Your opinion of me is none of my business. That's that's my opinion of you is my business. So whatever I'm doing about that towards you is, is the only thing that I need to be concerned about. So as long as I'm willing to like love and forgive and be the best I can be in it, like what you think about me, do your own thing, man. Like that's not, that's not, that doesn't have anything to do with me. I know. And, and again, it goes to that thing about being free, right? Is as long as I'm not hiding from myself, you don't have anything. You can say any do say and do anything you want. But again, I'm at peace with myself. So that's on you, you know. And I think that's what we're all finding out. Those of us who are moving to the higher dimensions right now are are realizing this. And those that want to stay in the lower dimensions are are crabs in a pot pulling each other down, you know absolutely yeah absolutely yeah that's literally like i've been accused of trying to be like a social climber and i'm like i'm not trying to climb that like i'm this is all within me man like i'm not and it's weird because like it's the gel it, it's that. called the jealous opposition <laughs> that's a good that's a great phrase. Oh, jealous opposition because remember the we america's national bird isn't the american bald eagle it's the american ego is is the national bird so the jealous opposition's always trying to bring you back down to their place because they can't do it or they they you know it's that rising tide lifts all boats thing like we we live in a thing now where everybody's really busy making sure your boat doesn't ride because it will lift them and expose them as they've been you know keel like anchoring themselves when they didn't need to be sure i, I really see that that's what's going on a lot is people don't want to own the fact that the only thing that's been jamming up their own lives is themselves. And it's not the government. It's not anything but themselves. This whole, like, I'm going to give my power to some dude with glasses because he says something is I'm not doing that. Like, yeah, he's doing what he does, but like that dude's just that guy. Like, you know what I mean? Like I'm responsible for me and everything that is me. Sure. So I, if I go out and, and know this and act like an a-hole all the time, I am the enemy. I am the cancer, you know? Mm -hmm. Right, right. No, that you're absolutely right. I wanted to hand it over to Christopher and Angel if they have anything else before we uh, wrap up with you. I just wanted to thank you for coming on the show. And um, I wanted to say hi to Al. You look so cute. Hi. How are you? Hi, I'm five years old now. You're five now? Oh, wow. gosh. Wow. <laughs> well, how did that Lego turn out? You're making a Lego. Did it turn out good? Yeah. Okay. Cool. What'd you make? <laughs> You're making them nervous. I, think I made something for this guy. Oh, cool. That's right. Wait, wait, here, wait, wait. Let's show his, his, this is his version of the Razor Crest. Oh, all right. I made this all by myself. Wow. That's awesome. That's rad. Very That's rad. That's really awesome. Nice job. Nice job, young man. Uh, 
Christopher, do you have anything before we uh, take off here? It's all yours. Uh, no, I'll, I'll just go ahead and thank you for your time as well, man. Uh, we definitely appreciate it. It's been a, a very interesting conversation. Uh, it's been awesome. And thank you so much for giving us an hour of your time, man. It's much appreciated. No, my, my pleasure. It's, it's, uh, this, this is the, the blessing is, is, is mine. Like to just be able to hang out with, with y'all is, is what, what it really is all about. So thank you for reaching out and, uh, inviting me into your dream. Like it's super <laughs> cool to be here. So thank you. That's really rad of you. Thank you very much. Do you have any plugs for uh, people where they could find your art or they could find you? Like, I know that you only have one social media account and that's where you're on uh, Instagram to check out your adventures, but also you have YouTube. Could you give the plugs to the folks? It, it's my YouTube channel is uh, Hamish Patterson family channel, but you can find me under bull cut maintenance is probably the, the <laughs> easiest gateway to me. And, uh, yeah, my, I'm just, I'm just plugging, uh, you know, deal with your shadows and, and get free. You know, that's, that's what it's all about. Take care of someone it, like my, my, my good friend, my, my sheriff buddy, man, he, he took himself out last week. And my thing is super like, to please call somebody if you're feeling down or suicidal, there's, there's numbers everywhere. Just call somebody. Do not take this on by yourself. Like there's a lot going on and you're not alone. And the most selfish thing you can do is not call someone for help because you're helping them by, by reaching out. So right. it's kind of I just plug live, live. Kind, kind of serendipitous that you mentioned that because we talked about that recently, how there's like always there's somebody out there that values you like no matter how. Mm -hmm no matter how like deep down, you know, the, the well you've gone or how, how, how rock bottom you feel you've hit. Like there's, there's always somebody else out there that values you. And like, definitely. Yeah. Like reach yeah. out. Don't, don't. Every don't. life counts right now more than ever. And those that Absolutely. are struggling have more to offer than they even know. It, yeah. It's just because it's looks bleak. It, it's not. We, I, some of us have been there and tell you, it's just don't, don't make a permanent solution out of a temporary problem, right? Absolutely. Yeah, wonderful thing to say, man. Um, I'd like to thank you once again for coming on. Um, thank you. Please uh, check out his uh, YouTube channel. Also check out the uh, the Instagram. If you want to see the Illusions uh, journey through uh, on Spaceship Earth, you can get a hold of us at info at useguyspod.com, useguysinthatgmail.com, and useguyspod.com. Once again, the illusion. Thank you so much for being with us and you are welcome back here anytime. Thank you very much. for Just sharing. let me know. I'll come back anytime. Thank you. Thank so you, nice brother. Take care of yourself. Bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.